Thank you for joining us today on Positively Charged Biz. We are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. We are a proud founding member of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, and you can check out more awesome podcasts at realdisrupt.com. Hey everyone, I hope you are having a positive and productive day. On today's show, we are going to discuss why we should modify and update our existing education system in order to give students a voice and control. I am honored to introduce you all to Don Winkle. He is an entrepreneur and an educator. He teaches entrepreneurship and he builds entrepreneurial programs at John Carroll University and practice through teachingentrepreneurship.org. Don's TED Talk tackles how we learn and why we need to take our primitive educational system and modernize it so we can inspire and develop the next generation of entrepreneurs and leaders. Don, it is truly a pleasure to have you on the show today. And on Positively Charged Biz, we'd like to start at the beginning. So please tell us, why did you decide to have your career dedicated to higher education and entrepreneurship? Yes, uh, well, thank you for having me. Um, So it really came down to, I was miserable uh, in my entire experience as a student. And you uh, and you went on to receive a PhD. So not just so like, I, okay. So I just kept going and I wanted more of it. Um, and so I, I grew up, my father was a, a professor okay. uh, of math, uh, engineering schools. Um, I, I didn't like my educational experience as a student. And as I got older, I figured out and understood that the only way you can change higher ed is from the inside. Mm. Um, and that I wanted to do what I could to provide more engaging and, and authentic and more useful experiences for students than what I had. Um, and, you know, I stumbled into entrepreneurship because uh, that's kind of what I do. And it's, I was always this kind of hustler growing up. And, and so the two things kind of came together. And lo and behold, um, I, I get to do this. And it provides a good life for my family. And I get to do what I love to do and cause a bit of trouble along the way. So my first thought is, how did you find a school that actually allowed you to do a little bit of modernizing and disruption within the educational parameters? Yeah, it, it's very interesting. I was at a school previously, um, and things didn't work out very well yeah. for a number of reasons. Um, but but there was just sort of a cultural misfit, right, between what what I wanted and where they were going and everything. Um, and so I land. This is very surprising. I landed at a faith based institution, okay. uh, which is about as far as it could get from where I thought I would end. Um, but it's a it's a Jesuit institution, and and the Jesuit and sort of Ignatian um, philosophies that that under my underlie the school are very similar to a lot of sort of entrepreneurship and innovation and, and that approach to the world. Um, and so the culture here is one of, uh, I don't want to say it's one of innovation, but, but it's one of like, if it's in the interest of the greater good and it's doing good things for students, um, you know, and, and, and to the credit of some of the leaders at, at John Carroll, they're willing to, to sort of let me, you know, take some small, 
some small risks and place some small bets um, that have so far been successful. And part of it is over the 10 years I've been in this job, in this career path, um, you know, I've learned what to do and what not to do on some level. And so now after making a lot of mistakes early on, I've kind of figured out, okay, don't do that again, because right. that's not going to work, but do this and it'll work and people will be happy and it creates good experiences for students. And that's really what people respond to. I love that. Okay. So take us back 10 years. Okay. Yeah. So 10 years, here we are, 2010. Okay. A lot of change from 2010 to 2020, mainly in your students. I mean, I can tell you myself of my kids went to school, college during 13, 15, around that time. And that generation is different than the ones coming into college right now, right? There's differences in how they learn, um, how they grew up. It's just a whole different generation because the technology component was different for based upon how old they are. So what have you seen in that span of 10 years to where I would think the way you teach and your style and where you're going it seems perfectly aligned to the newer generation coming into college now. I, I think so. I hope so. Uh, and, and I try as best I can to sort of keep updated, right? Yeah. On, on what are they going to respond to and what are the, the ways that, that we can engage them best? And it's, you know, it's, it's experience, right? So they want an experience and they want an application, right? They, they understand. And I think they, they cherish, the learning and the intellectual stimulation and those kind of things. But at the end of the day, you know, why does this matter? Why am I learning this? What can I do with this? Those things are, are even more paramount. That's why I did not enjoy my education because I had those questions and people just wouldn't answer them or couldn't. I was going to say, they probably didn't know how they, it was probably, this is what we always did. And so <laughs> this is what you're getting, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so this generation really, you know, we almost demand it. Yeah. Uh, and it is a good fit for me. It's what I naturally want to be doing. Um, and I think it's it's also adapting to them and looking at saying, look, they want experience. They want sort of micro content. So they want little nibbles of things, mm -hmm. right? They want um, engagement. Um, you know, they want to be able to collaborate with with each other and, and using these digital tools. And so, you know, to me, as, as painful as some of it may be, it's it's being able to to shift over to them not requiring them to shift over to me yeah i that's phenomenal because let's fast forward what are you ultimately doing you're hopefully preparing them to be leaders or entrepreneurs in the future right so sure. if you take what you're giving to them and how is that going to be applied well the same thing on the business sector we have to adapt into that same thing, right? We can't do business the same way as we did 20 years ago. That also has to adapt. And hey, little thing called this pandemic, you know, certainly shifted people to you better have to be, you have to be able to work remotely. You have to use collaborative tools. You know, you have to be able to jump on video calls. You're not going to be able to do business the same way. So how do you think what you're teaching your students will apply to the business world in the next, you know, one, five, 10 years? Yeah, the, the, the core of what I teach in my approach to entrepreneurship is a little bit different. So 
my my perspective can be a little jaded sometimes, but okay. is for the most part, I think it's almost irresponsible that um, people teach entrepreneurship in college in terms of like starting a business. And I say that because generally speaking, right, parents, so so the support in in the home and the support at school, meaning faculty, are typically not uh, they're not okay with giving constructive criticism to young people, right? And so what you have is a bunch of young people who are like, I got this great idea. And instead of people telling them like, no, that idea kind of sucks. What you have them telling them is like, hey, that's a great idea. And in fact, here's some money, Yeah. right? And, and so you're, that's why it's sort of irresponsible because you're, you're encouraging and setting them up for what you and I, you know, you and I will have this conversation behind closed doors of like, I can't believe this kid came up with this idea, you know, but then we open the door to him and both of us are like, oh, that's an awesome idea. That's great. We're like, what are you doing? So, so my approach is, I don't want you to start a business. I know you're not going to start a business for the vast majority of you, at least anytime soon. But what I can do is I can teach you some of the skills that people use to start and grow businesses. And you can go and apply those for the people you're going to go work for. Yep. And I guarantee you, you create value for them, right? So, so at the core of all of this is uh, problem solving, yep. right? So identifying problems, uh, sort of customer interviewing, right? And, and figuring out like, these are the customers, what are the problems they have? What are they doing to try to solve the problems? What's inadequate about those solutions? And how do I build a better solution? Like if I can teach people to do that, like you're going to have a job for life because that's what I 100% agree. And those skills, that's what we need on the business side. That's right. the missing component, you know, absolutely. So tell me some of the things that you do in your courses that's, you know, not as traditional that that maybe others are doing within the higher education realm that makes it so that you do feel they're engaged, you do feel they're getting value, and they can take that and apply it in their futures. Yeah, it, and it's really nothing, all that earth shattering or rocket science, in, in my opinion. It's, I mean, it's really um, simple stuff, you know. It's, it's giving them some activities and some, some exercises to help them figure out problems that they want to solve that are meaningful for them, right? So that's where it all should start. Because, again, instead of, like, here's another idea for a T-shirt company or a landscape company, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But it's, like, is that really what's going to wake you up in the in the middle of the night with excitement and worry, right? Or is that just checking a box? Because I'd rather you work on something that's going to keep you up at night because you're so so excited, excited or, or scared or just <laughs> you know. And so it's starting there, and then it's you know practicing. So how do you how do you know who customers are for a certain idea? Well, you have to go observe actual people in, in actual reality without this thing. Right. right. So turn that off and go like watch people and, and see what people do and identify like what problems are those people having in the grocery store or in the park or whatever. Um, and then it's, how do you actually talk to these people? How do you actually talk to these folks so that you can understand their problem? Not so that you're selling them something, but so that you can understand their experience and their, their, sort of emotional experience around some of the problems that they have. And, and then how do you take that and prototype things, right? And, and put something in front of customers and get that critical feedback 
and be able to pivot and change things around so that at the end of the day, you're offering somebody a better solution to a problem you know they have. Absolutely. Right? And, and again, like none of that stuff is rocket science. None of this stuff. And it's been, it's been forever since the beginning <laughs> of time that it's if you can solve a problem, right? And you're right. able to execute the solution to it and you can actually get it in front of your potential clients, you will have a successful business. I mean, that's, that's yeah, pretty well, much. Mm -hmm. yeah, you look at, you know, you look at the mortgage business, right? Yep. I mean, the, 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 the ups and downs, right, of, of that industry as a whole and, and what happens based on economics and all these other things. I mean, you need people who can identify and solve problems. Oh, uh, it's all problem solving. That yeah. we said we literally speak about that all the time. That the best people are problem solvers, and you have to be able to communicate and relate yeah. to your clients, yeah. which again is the basic foundation for every business. So a hundred percent, and that's what we look for. You know, we we have a running joke in our industry that you're either going to fall in love with our industry and never leave, or you will literally hate it right in the beginning and run away. <laughs> so we'll either be one or the other. Right. Well, and, it easy, right? There's no middle ground. Either no. I'm, I'm in or I'm out. Okay. Yes. That's yes. But, but that's okay. And that works right. because once you, once you kind of catch that bug and you love it, then we know, okay, we've got the basic foundation. Now we just continue to develop it. But I will tell you from an industry standpoint, we're very scared about not having enough young people coming into our industry. It is a huge dilemma. And what happened on our side is we all know about the economic downturn that happened when the mortgage industry collapsed in 2008. So the industry collapsed. Now look at that. That generation, anyone that was maybe in high school, in college during that time, do you think they want to come work in an industry that maybe they watch their parents' home get foreclosed or they watch their parents lose their jobs or whatever negative effect they had? So that whole generation, a lot of them, they don't want anything to do with us. So now we're literally relying on the kids graduating now because it's been long enough that those kids were too little during that time. But it's a real issue because sure. there's not enough youth coming into our industry. But we've also seen that the generations have changed. So it's very refreshing to hear you speak of the classes that you're teaching and how you're approaching because those skills fit perfectly into our business situation. So it's wonderful. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, my approach is, you know, at, at, at John Carroll, we have an entrepreneurship program, and it's not just business kids. It's a mix okay. of all, you know, humanities and sciences and business and all these kids. And so I know for a fact that these kids are going to scatter into all kinds of industries and jobs and all kinds of stuff. And so I look at it as my responsibility to say, what skills can I teach all of you that are going to be valuable and applicable to wherever you go and whatever career path you go down. And it just so happens that I'm biased that I think the skills that entrepreneurs use to start and build companies are applicable across the board. Right. And, and so that's the approach I take. And I think there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a good sort of movement in entrepreneurship education around that idea of like, these are the skills that people really need to have. 
different schools are, you know, if you're at MIT or Stanford, yeah. like there's a possibility you're going to go start like a really big business, right? right? So there's different kinds of funnels that go on. But a lot of these other schools, they know for a fact, like the vast minority of students are actually ever going to go start something. But these skills can be really useful for them. So, I mean, I really like that I've seen that sort of movement within within this niche, you know, of higher it's ed. Al it's almost just basic life skills. I mean, to be quite honest, you can apply it to your personal life and your business life. Uh, to be quite honest, once you can figure out how to problem solve, you run into those on your personal side, too, of, okay, this isn't going ex as is expected. How do I pivot? How do I um, do an analysis of this situation? And how do I get through it? So those skills can be applied all across the board, which is wonderful. Yeah. So take me back. Take me back a little bit to 10 years ago. You had mentioned in one of our conversations we were having before we went live, we were speaking about confidence. And we were yeah. speaking about, well, the way that you gain confidence is you actually have to fail sometimes. So take me back to that. Tell me about when you first started testing out some of the methods and tweaking it and trying things and getting feedback. You know, go, take me through that and also touch on why do you need to fail? Yeah, so I mean, I, I come up with very strange and random ideas for what I want to do with, with my students, right? And, and a lot of times it's outside of the classroom. Um, so, you know, it doesn't happen in these four walls. It happens out in the community or out on the sidewalk or on the street corner, or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I try a lot of things and the vast majority of times they don't really work out the way I plan them. Uh, I, I think I've gotten a little better over time, so I've increased my success rate. Uh, but, but you know, early on, it would be that I had these grand visions of like, this is going to be a great way for students to, uh, you know, be able to engage with actual customers and we'll put them out into the community and this and that. And then nothing happened because I didn't prepare the students for like, how do you have a conversation with somebody? That, you know, how do you approach a stranger, right? Like, I just assumed they know how to do this. And, and so it was a big, miserable failure because they all came back. And the vast majority of them had an unbelievably miserable experience. Uh, and, and, you know, there was a couple that, you know, a decade later I've stayed in touch with, kind of joke with me, but I think in some way they're actually being serious about like, that was sort of traumatic. Wow. <laughs> but you did this, right? And, and I just, you know, it, it, it always taught me to say like, okay, so I'm this, now I'm this 44 year old person who's had a life experience of this, but I can't, I can't put myself and in, in that shoes yeah. of my students and say, this is what I would do, right? I have to be able to look at them and say, this is what they need in order to be successful doing that thing, right? And, and so I have to build that up in them. But the way I build up, and, and it's all skill-based, right? So the way I build up the skill in them is, that, is they practice. So now, for instance, I go, okay, you guys are gonna practice having these conversations with each other in the classroom, with each other, because that's safe, right? And you're gonna practice and you're gonna get develop the skill, and then eventually we're gonna pull that trigger and you're actually gonna go out into the world and start having to have the same conversations with strangers, but it's it's okay because you've already had them with your friends. Right. You're comfortable with it, right? So it's just, a it, again, not rocket science, not like huge monumental shifts. Um, and, and it, you know, they, they need they need to fail, right? I mean, if they, if they continuously are like, well, oh, I nailed that one, I nailed, you know, home run, home run, home run, home run, then they just haven't had a chance to build that confidence of like, what happens when, yeah. right? 
Whereas if they have these little failures, and, and I'm not a big fan of the big F failure, I'm a big fan of the little F failure, right? And developing habits of failure. Um, if they have them, then they realize like it happened. I stood back up, or, you know, I got two arms and a head and my, both my feet are on, like it's all good. Um, and then what did I learn from it, right? And, and that's one of the things I really like and respect about the school I'm at as this Jesuit school is this idea of reflection and being able to reflect on the experiences you have and reflect on what happened and how do you learn and how do you take something from that experience and be able to apply it next time. And I think that to me, you know, in my personal experience, that's where the confidence comes from. I think my wife would tell you I'm a little too confident sometimes. Uh, but it, it, it's come because I've failed a lot in a lot of ways. Right. But I agree with you. It's about not the big failures. You know, we're not saying go, you know, go sell your house and, you know, go go get a food truck or something and right. just, you know, put it all on the line. But you do have to have those new experiences, like you said, because I, I look at it like a muscle. Right. Yep. It's our it's our you know, we, we need to continue to work out that so that we get stronger and we're not afraid of, OK, eh, I messed up a little bit. But what did I learn from that? You know, how did I grow and new experiences? I find that, you know, at least when you're dealing with the college level, they're very open. OK, you know, I'm here. I'm showing up today. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow. Right. That you almost wish throughout the rest of everyone's life they were that accepting to always being open to learn because it's such a fascinating, it's such a wonderful thing when when we're challenging ourselves to improve, even if it's just like and that reflection. Wow, how powerful! How powerful is it for us yeah. to all reflect on? Everything, every single thing that that happens. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, good or bad, yeah. or, or neutral or anything, right? Just to, to, you know, the act of pausing and and kind of thinking about it. Um, it, it really is. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful thing, but especially and, and especially nowadays with young people, like they just they don't pause. Right? They don't. Well, like, how, you know, don't it's coming pause. at them too rapidly, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and I don't know. I mean, it might be a generational thing, or maybe it's just me, but. I, you know, these kids today are, they're involved in like 27 different things. And, you know, when I was in college, the whole point was to do as little as possible. Focus. And nowadays it's the whole point is to do as much as possible. And I tell them all the time, like, if you do 27 things, you can't do any of them well. Right. And, and that's not doing you any, any benefit. Uh, and, and so, you know, again, for, for what I do and the approach I take is to say, let's like really hone in on the thing that, that you're all about. Right. What is what is it that you're sort of uniquely situated to do or what space are you uniquely situated to work in? And then as these opportunities come your way, say no to the ones that don't fit that. Mm. And if you only say yes to two, when all your other friends are saying yes to 27, well, you know who wins? You. Because you can, you, know, you can focus and, and you know what you're doing and you're building the expertise and the experience and the network. And, and you get the results you want, right? And if you spread yourself too thin. You have master of nothing, right? Yeah, You're a master yeah. of nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you also say, you know, instead of looking at things globally, look locally. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so it's a you know, it's personal preference, I guess, right? But you know, I, I look at it like 
at colleges. Um, so colleges have a lot of assets. Right? There's, there's the intellectual assets that they have and the human assets in terms of students and bodies to, to do some things, financial in terms of money they've gotten, access to alumni and funding and all these kind of things. Um, and they spread these assets out all over the place, which is wonderful, right? And and students go on study abroad trips, and um, you know, like at John Carroll, they they do a lot of trips around the world to different communities who who have a lot of problems and could use a lot of help. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure of how powerful that experience is for either party involved, right? I think it could be a significantly more powerful experience if these young people spend a year, two years, three years, four years, visiting the same neighborhood, engaging with the same people, solving the same kinds of problems for people just down the street, right? Or on the other side of town that they can go back to over and over again right. and build a relationship with them. And they can see the students, right? The young people can see the benefit of their time and talents. Right? If they go to this village and yeah. where you know where yeah. um, they do good work, there's no I don't there's no question yeah. about it. You put, a, you put a water well in, or you do whatever you do, and that's great. But uh, what do you know? Like, how do you know you did a good thing? How do you know right. what what your work? How do you know what your work and your intellect and like? How do you know the impact you've had? You don't, right? You know, so, and you have to wonder. You have to wonder if all of that started. Because we, as a society, started saying, well, look, and, and again, I, I can apply this to being a mom of putting two kids through college. And I remember the, okay, where do you want to go to college? And then you start looking it up. And then you're looking at every website and you're like, look, this one, you can go to England. Or this one, you could spend a semester on Wall Street. Or this one, you could go and do mission work at this place. And, or, you know, like... I think as a society, we started thinking of like, it, it was like we were picking, oh, well, my child can get to do this. And it started like almost getting one up, one up, one up, one up of, of having these brochures for the parents to feel good about my child is doing this where you're right. And you, and I wonder after 2020 and all that, we've seen, you almost wonder if because things are almost calibrating back to basics, you almost yeah. wonder if what you're saying, which makes a total sense, I mean, you're right. If you can make it so it's in your own community that you can continue on and truly see the reward of making a difference, right. that, that absolutely seems much more powerful than... Well, and yeah. to, to get back to one of your earlier points and the things we're talking about in terms of confidence, right? Like think about it, building confidence yeah. by investing your time, your talents, your energy, your money, whatever it is, consistently and, and seeing other people positively impact and seeing positive change huge. come of that, right? Like that's a huge thing. That and, is confidence. And, yes. Yeah, what a yeah. boost. And that, you know, it's, it's, there's a balance, right? Because you go to, you go to college and you want your kids to grow and to become yep. good citizens and different cultures and, you know, so there's a balance, right? Where, where there's, there certainly is benefit from traveling and expanding your horizons and all this kind of a thing. Um, it's just, you know, 
for whatever it is, you know, the program I, I am, am fortunate enough to lead. Um, and, and we happen to be in a wonderful city of Cleveland where there's good things going on, but there's certainly a lot of areas that need some help. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of resources. I was talking to somebody the other day and I go, don't you think it'd be cool if instead of a study abroad, if you want to like expand your horizons and like experience new culture, instead of going to like Barcelona, Spain, like you go live in that neighborhood for nine months, because right. I guarantee you, that's a different culture. <laughs> you know, and, and obviously that that's not going to happen, but um, you know, but it's that way of thinking, right? Of like, can, can we, and, and this is the, the community that we live in. This is the community that we work in. This is the community that, that has created this institution, right? So is there a way to, to a little more proactively give back and be a part of that community? Um, you know, not, not necessarily instead of sort of yeah, 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 yeah. Arming out our resources, but, you know, just to make a, maybe, maybe change the percentage a little bit. Yeah, and, and it's interesting how you and I met. We met from Keith from Blackfin, and it's interesting. We work on a, a program together called the NAMBA Visionary Program. And when him and I were having a conversation, he said to me, you know, Laura, I'm very blessed. I'm in this wonderful industry as well as I. And he said, I'm on a board of a nonprofit, and one day, I, you guys reached out to me about this visionary program, and I thought to myself, isn't it interesting that I'm big into charity and support, but yet I'm not on any type of organization within my industry. Local. Once again, it's back to the local, right? And that is how him and I met. So it's similar situation where he's a giving man. He wants to give his time, his financial rewards, all of that. But he's never thought of putting it to the industry that actually afforded him his success. Yeah. And so you're right, that local community connection. And it's not it's not one versus another. He's doing right. both, right? We all want to support lots. But you're right, that local community is very, very important and, and something we probably want all of our kids, regardless of whether they're in school or not, to participate yeah. in. So that's wonderful. All right, speak to me about how you incorporate music into your classes. I, I want to understand what you do with this. Yeah, so, so it's a big, I mean, music's always been a big part of me, um, except for country music. I have, a, <laughs> I have sort of this visceral reaction to country music. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it, it, it creates a mood, right? It sets a mood, it, it puts students at ease in a way, even if they don't like the music, let's say, you know, it just, it just sort of creates a mood, right? And it, it sort of lightens things up. A lot of what I ask my students to do is really uncomfortable for them. Uh. It pushes them out of their comfort zone. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I can't be their friend. I don't try to be their friend, but I try to be, I try to lessen that sort of, you know, professor student uh, distance a little bit. Um, and it, you know, there's a there's a connection through music, right? And there's a there's a passion around music, even if you don't like the kind of music in the country, for instance, right? I don't like country, but if there's music on, I still you know you find yourself tapping your foot or or tapping your finger or whatever, um, and it just changes the mood. And and so I use it as much as I can, right? You play it during class, you play it before class, you play it after class, you play it if they're working in teams or you know you just put the music. And you just play music and you know i will ask them 
right? What kind of music they like. And I'm getting old, so I'm now finding myself to be like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so, so it is to, scary when it gets I, to that point. <laughs> I, have to, I have to screen it now. I've, I've learned my lesson. Um, right? And or I say, like, oh, you guys should listen to this. These guys are awesome. And you just get these blank stares. I don't even, I don't know what that is. Uh, you know, but, but and, and they're, you know, when they tell you, like, I really like this music, and then a week or two later, they hear that in class. Yeah. That's, that's a cool thing, right? I mean, it's just a, it, it, and again, what does that cost me? Like, it costs me nothing. And, it, and it's an easy thing to do that sets up a good environment for them to invest in. Right? I think it creates a connection, too. Like, all of a yeah. sudden, there's, a, I mean, that's the thing about music, and, and I'm, I, I'm a big supporter of always having music because I think it also will, it, it almost like plants that in your brain that years later, no matter where they are, that song will come on at right. that moment and bring them right back to that moment in your class or when they were working, right. collaborating on a project or they were doing something. So music is so powerful because it stays with you. You know, it's it's timeless. I mean, that's yep. the beauty of it. So and it just makes it a level playing field. Everybody's the same. It's all equal. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it just, you know, it takes the edge off of anxiety or or whatever may be going on, right? And and kids pretty much they quickly figure out in my class, like, okay, this is gonna be a weird thing. Uh, but it's <laughs> get but, comfortable. Know, yeah, right. get comfortable just, with being uncomfortable. Yeah, and the music it just sort of helps take the edge off a little bit. Right? I love it's that. It's enjoyable for me, right? Like I just, you know, just play music. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good vibe. <laughs> All right, so I have to ask because, as I was saying before we went live, I do a lot of things with women entrepreneur. I am a very, very big supporter of bringing young ladies, you know, into the industry and building them up and lifting them into whatever, whether it's leadership roles, whatever type of roles that they want. So what do you see for the young ladies that are coming up that are college age that want to, you know, get into entrepreneurship or just business in general? What do you see the best things we can do in business to give them the right platforms that there isn't hesitation of speaking up and sharing their voice and being whatever they want to be. How can we support them on the business side? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I have a very strong passion for this as well. Um, I, I sometimes maybe get myself in a little bit of trouble, but I, I think that the world would be a much better place if we had a lot more women leaders and entrepreneurs. Um, and I very firmly believe that. I don't think they have had enough of a seat at the table and I think it's about time. Uh, so I do my part and I do what I can to, to very deliberately and intentionally increase the funnel of young women getting into sort of entrepreneurship and, and learning about these skills and practicing these skills. Um, you know, I think a lot of it, again, I, I don't know if any of this is real rocket science. I think a lot of it has to do with mentorship to kind of put it in a general bucket uh you know i'm so i'm a 45 year old dude uh and so when i have these young women in my classes or come into experiences at, at john carroll um i i don't i don't know what it's like to be sure. this 18 19 year old young woman um but i do know a lot of 24 to 26 to 30 to 35 year old women who do know what it's like 
and so I make connections, right? And I That's have great. teams that help make connections and it could be one-on-one -on -one connections. It could be sort of group connections, right? We've set up a program where um, we send a group of maybe five or six uh, young women out to a dinner with yeah. a, a local sort of female leader. It's informal, just go out to dinner, right? And, and make some connections and, and learn. Um, I honestly think that's one of the best things that, that business leaders can do, male or female, right? Yeah. And I think these young women need, you know, I think they need some mentorship from women about here's, you know, here's how you start to navigate life as a woman in business and in life and all these, you know, there's some, there's some specific things that I can't speak to. Right. Um, but I think the, the, the young women also need to hear from men. I agree. Right? And, and vice versa. And then yep. the young men need to hear from the women, right? You know, these, it's like these two groups are going to be working together. So you yep. got to get used to each other. But I really do think for the women, it's, it's the, uh, and, and no offense to anybody who's, who's tuning in here, who's uh, of the more senior uh, end of life, but it's, it's younger women, right? So what I found is 17, 18, 19 year old young women in college, um, if they're listening to or trying to connect with a, a 56 year old woman yeah. who started and built a business and is running this $20 million business, right? They're just like, correct. They can't, they can't identify with that. They don't know anything about that. Who's had, you know, you've had three kids and yep. you sell them, whatever. But if they can sit down and have a conversation with a 25 year old woman yep. who's sort of making her way through the ranks uh, or, or maybe just launched a business year or two ago and is struggling with that, like they can connect on that level, right? And, and they can see themselves in that person's experience and that becomes ridiculously that, powerful. That, that is such a good point don't i i appreciate you saying that because it, it's everything right and you know we we speak a lot about diversity and making sure that you have diversity in every different realm and take it take it from my industry of being someone that wants to go get a mortgage right if i am going to buy my first home i don't want to be with a 60 year old person either if I'm 22, right? I mean, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to get a mortgage from my grandfather. Like I want to relate to someone that we can text each other, right? We don't want to send an email. We don't, we don't want to work that way. I text, you know, that's the way I do it. I'm 22. So yeah. it's the same thing when you're coming up through the ranks. You're right that I do strongly believe in having that tribe and that community that gives you that you know, and it should be diverse. It should be filled with all different ethnicities, all different age groups, all different levels, right? The starting out, the middle tier, the people that have made it, it should be all different levels intertwined. But you're right, you have to be able to be comfortable with someone that can relate, that can understand where you are at that time. Because otherwise, it could be overwhelming, or it could be, how could right. anyone understand what I'm going through. They're already right. at a different stage in their life. So that I think that's excellent advice. And that's for everyone, regardless of male, female, whatever, or what, whoever you are in life, that is very, very important. So I yeah, guess that, the message think, with that is to be able to have that community. Right. And I think finding somebody who, you know, you can see yourself in their shoes, right? Right you can see yourself following a, a, a similar path in life as that person and finding somebody like that, I think is just, is such a powerful thing. And so, you know, we and my team tries very intentionally to, to create those connections for any student, male right. or female. 
but there's a little bit of an intentionality around women um, because like I said, I think that they haven't had a fair seat at the table. Uh, well, what we found on the business side, which is so, <laughs> you know, well, I know we can change this. I'm not, not even going to give my opinion. I know we can change it. <laughs> what they found is that more girls are in college. More girls are actually getting higher level degrees, but they're not getting the promotions and the leadership and, and getting the, the C-suites and all of that. The men actually take those roles. And what we found just in research is that they don't share their voice when they get into the corporate side because they feel overpowered. They feel like they're kind of, you know, they do great in school. They're excellent in school, but the minute they get into that corporate setting and that's where that community comes in, you need, you know, others to kind of say, no, it's okay. Pull up a chair at the table. You know, this is your seat. Use your voice, share your, your ideas, you know, don't hold it back. And that's kind of what we've seen, but it's changing. The good news is it's every day. It's getting a little better and we're openly having conversations about it, which is wonderful. Yeah, and, and I think that's part of why for any young person, especially women, yep. I think, but for any young person, that's why part of a big part of my approach is to say it's it's your experience. Yeah. Right. It's your experience and you need to to own it and you need to be comfortable owning it and you need to be comfortable with your voice in this experience because then they have that much more potential to to more quickly use their voice and and create value and do the things, you know, later on, right? I you know. The reason I think the reason they do really well in school and not so well in, in the real world is because in school, they don't have to have a voice. Ah, uh, there you go. Mind blow, right? See, you're making yeah, them somebody, have a voice, but in the other, they just have to hand the work in, right? They just have to take the test. They just yeah. have to study. They have to read. They have to do their assignments, right? I tell them, I tell all the students, I go, look, from the day you can remember until the day you graduate college, somebody's been telling you who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? So your life's easy. On that day that you graduate college is the only time in your life when your whole entire world changes and it will never be the same. Nobody's telling you who, what, when, where, why, or how anymore. You gotta figure that out. So I think higher education does a very big disservice by not preparing students for that transition, right? Uh, and, and so that's why I take, it's part of why I take the approach I take is, Develop the skills, develop the experience, expose you to, to the kinds of things that you're going to have to deal with in, in the reality of life after college and, and build and own your voice that you can use to get what you want and, and to do good things for other people, right? And if I can do that in young people, I think they're set up for success much more likely than if they just kind of cruise through the typical educational experience like I had. Yeah. That is absolutely incredible. That that right there is literally a sound clip. What you just said that that was phenomenal. I I wish you all the best in all of that because you are preparing our future leaders. You absolutely with those skills and having all of them be able to use their voice, be able to realize that you can micro fail and you it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that's that's what you're going to learn. So all of those skills, problem solving, all of that, that is going to prepare you for whatever you choose to do in the future.
That is so valuable. So what do you hope to accomplish? That's what you hope to accomplish? That's the change you're making? I I tell people all the time, right? I, I, the only thing I want to do is to reshape higher ed. Wow. That's a big, that's a big deal. (laughs) Like that's not a little, that's, that's like a. (laughs) Somebody has to, right? So why not me? I love it. So what do you, what are your steps that you're doing that besides your part? Is there more that you're doing? Well, I do, yeah, well, there's all kinds of things I try, right? I, I try these little bits and pieces and, and you know, I, I've built friendships and relationships and networks with other sort of similarly thinking people. And, you know, a lot of them tend to be my age and the sort of younger people who've come yeah. up have a different perspective, a different kind of energy. There's a lot of the old folks who are, who are yeah. similarly disruptive and innovative too. Um, but, but I think there's this sort of movement around this institution just has to change. It, it can't be what it once was. It, it doesn't work for the new world. So, And how you know. do you think the whole virtual, I mean, there's a lot of schools right now that are doing a lot of virtual. Do you think that has help, is helping the situation or not helping the situation in terms yeah. of how many classes are virtually done now? Yeah. So the, the, the so it's going to significantly hurt the situation in the short term, right? Higher ed is going to get yeah. hit hard sure. with all of this. There's no question about it. So in the long term, I think it helps. I think it helps because it really forces forces the, the institution, the industry as a whole to look at itself and go, okay, what, like, what are we really doing here? Yeah. And, and do we need to change the business model? And the answer to that is a resounding yes, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and, and, We've been forced to adapt to this new world, to use new technology, to figure out new ways of, of gathering, of learning, of exchanging ideas. All Like that can't hurt, no. right? That can't not help us as an, as an industry and as an institution get better. Um, and so, you know, now people, you know, I used to say like, why do my kids in Cleveland have to sit and learn with other kids in Cleveland. Why can't they learn with kids in, you know, Pittsburgh? Why not? And, you know, and, and I used to say that people would look at me like I had two heads before. Now all of a sudden they go, yeah, yeah, yeah why not? I can't, you know? So, I mean, I think it's it's forced everybody to really kind of take a, take a look at what is possible. And all these people who were scared of technology before have figured out like it, it doesn't bite, right? You, you, you it's a little painful at first to use it, but you know, in my discipline, guess what? That's what we're asking our students to do. So now you know what it feels like. Um, and so you can, you can be a better teacher and a better coach and mentor because you've experienced what it feels like to be uncomfortable, uh, and to be vulnerable and to fail, right. Uh, and, and recover and come back a second time and do it better. Um, so, so I, I do think, in the long run, it's going to be good. In the short run, it's certainly going to be painful yeah, uh, for a lot of people. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, but, you. What, what industry changes with with you know roses and rainbows? Like that doesn't happen. Change right? is so. never easy, but in the long run, you know. Listen, the number one skill for a human is adaptability. Right. Those that can adapt to the change will always survive and thrive. That's just what it is. So all we're, we're in the middle of disruption and yeah. the adapting is happening. 
I try and tell these students, I go, I know it doesn't make sense right now. And I know you're not going to believe me, but I go, the fact that you've lived through this yeah. and that you were able, like, you know, when, when HR people start seeing like, Oh, you graduated in 2021. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like that just says something about you. Right. And, no, but it's and, true. Like even when I interview some of the people in my industry, um, you know, the minute someone says I graduated college in 08 or 09, well, I yeah. know there were no jobs for anyone graduating college in 08 or 09. So if you were able to figure it out, you somewhere you found a job, you know, somewhere you, you were right. able to adapt and then eventually wind up in my business, I know you will always be successful. Like, I know it. So you're right. It's the same thing. If you graduated college during this time or, you know, you went to school during this time, you're going to look at that and you're going to think differently. So that is a good point. Well, yeah. This has been absolutely incredible. You, you've definitely given us new way to, to think. I commend you for what you're doing because, like I said, yeah. I'm excited because the, the generation you're developing is perfect for what I see in business to prepare them, actually yeah. truly prepare them to be successful in whatever they do. And yeah. that that is very exciting. So it's never easy to be the disruptor, <laughs> you know, never, never easy, um, but it's necessary. It definitely is necessary. And I commend you for what you're doing and we wish you all the best in your efforts. Thank you. And, right. and thanks, for, thanks for letting me chat for a while. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Positively Charged Biz. I'm Laura Brandeo, and we are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. If you have an inspiring story, please email me at laura at positivelycharged.biz. And remember to subscribe to hear more great guests. And connect to us on Facebook at Positively Charged and Instagram at Positively Charged Podcast. Until next time, we wish you a positive day.